Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire, and back in studio for the first time in a while, Mr. Joe Oldman. Joe, how's it going? Well, I'm kind of in studio. I got the same background, but I wouldn't say I'm in studio, but I'm in studio. I'm okay. on the air. So in a studio. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. Not all of the us same. get mysterious locations. <clears throat> with the same background. Um, so a little bit of a different start today's episode. Um, we're going to bring on a, a woman. Her name is Mandy Groom, Mandy Bernard Groom, her uh, her maiden name. She's going to tell a story about something that happened to her um, that, that is is worthy of being heard. Um, it, it's a story that is not all that dissimilar to what other women report, especially nowadays with this big push in the Me Too era to, to kind of air out everything that maybe history has forgotten or history has allowed to go unpunished. Um, so we're going to bring Mandy on in a second. Do you want to just uh, set it up, Joe, since I know you've talked to her a lot? Yeah. So I met Mandy at a hotel in Florida. And uh, she was attending a conference. And uh, we, I just started speaking with her. The, the, the people that were at the, the restaurant were really busy. We were sitting at the bar. Um, we just started speaking and then we just talked about her experience and I, and I don't know how one thing led to another. I think we were talking about having kids and uh, being married and, you know, who our spouses were and, you know, kind of what's going on in this country. And she has, and she started telling me about a story that happened to her and I was mortified. And so I've been putting this off for the last couple of weeks um, for a lot of reasons. And I think that the parallels that I want to draw is that where this happened is where we're seeing some of the same corruption down in, in Georgia. And her story is heartbreaking. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, for me, I could never imagine treating another person this way, you know, turning someone and doing the things that, that this person, um, that she's alleging this person did. So um, I wanna bring her in, I'm gonna let her tell the story from her perspective. Uh, and then we have some documents that we'll also show as well, um, which really point to some of the, some of the things that we're experiencing again in the, in the election that I think you'll find not only, um, unbelievable, but, uh, pretty sad. So, um, with that, I want to welcome Mandy to the show. Mandy. Hey guys. Welcome. Yes, hey, can you hear me? Thank you. Yes. So just want to clarify, um, your name now, Mandy Groom, but your your maiden name was Bernard, correct? Correct. Yep. Just want to make sure because that's something that, that we that came up we're trying to search your name. Obviously, I didn't even think about the maiden name. Um, so this happened yes. to you before you were married, um, before yes. you had changed your name. Um, yes. Why don't you go ahead and start at the beginning and and tell tell your story? Okay. Um, well, it was the night of September 22nd, 1995, and I was 20 years old at the time, 
and I was going out for a night out with a group of friends um, to Buckhead, Atlanta, which at that time, um, Buckhead was set up very much like, um, you know, it was bar after bar after bar, like Bourbon Street in New Orleans kind of thing. And Buckhead's so a place I, to, to live in Atlanta. I mean, that's the place to live. It was at one time the place to live. Yes, it's a, yeah. it's a, it was a affluent kind of upscale area. So I was going out with a group of friends and I also had a girlfriend that was going to be a couple of doors down, a couple of bars down um, that was friends with an Atlanta Braves player. Um, this was before, you know, everybody had cell phones and you could just talk all the time. So, so we had made the plans that I would pop in to see her and, um, you know, kind of go from there as far as how the night would go. So we went out, I left my friends just as planned, went over to meet my other girlfriend at the bar down the street, um, walked in, I met uh, the Braves player that was her friend, a couple of the other Braves players. Uh, the Braves were playing the Montreal Expos that night. They had just uh, finished a game with them. So there were some Montreal Expos players uh, at the bar as well. One of whom was Carlos Perez, who uh, immediately uh, began a conversation with me and was extremely charming, very polite and chivalrous, and it, we all just had a great time. So before I left my group of friends at the other bar, I told them, listen, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. If I don't come back to this bar, meet me out at the end of the night and, you know, we'll go home. So at that time, Buck had all the bars closed at the same time. It was almost a party in the street when all the bars closed. I mean, everybody went out in the street. And so it wasn't strange to say, hey, I'll meet you out at the end of the night, see you outside. Um, so we spent some time, I, I talked with Carlos Perez. He was, like I said, very charming. You know, there was no sign of any sort of aggression or anything like that. Um, when the night was over, he walked me out. My friends weren't there. We waited. The, the street was kind of clearing out. And um, so he said, I'll, I'll get you a cab. And so he hailed me a cab. The cab came and he got in with me. And I said, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? He said, well, um, I'm just going to ride with you to make sure, see you home, make sure that you get home okay. So I said, okay. And uh, I thought it was a little strange, but whatever. And I lived north of Buckhead and he sat up, said something to the cab driver and the cab driver started driving south. And so I said, wait a minute, this isn't where I live. I need to go the other way. Um, and the cab driver was driving to Carlos Perez's hotel which is which was the Marriott Marquis in Atlanta at the time. Um, so Carlos said to me, you know, wait, I've got something in my room I want to give you. I've, I've got other games to play. I'm not going to see you for a while. Um, at this point, you know, obviously that's not what I wanted to do. I was concerned. Um, you know, and I told him, no, I need to go. But it wasn't, you know, we weren't forcibly tussling or anything at that point. So, you know, hindsight's always 2020. 20. I, I wish I would have jumped out of the car or something, but I certainly didn't expect what happened to happen. Um, so we 
went in, you know, we went into the hotel and, um, you know, people always say the one thing that, that everybody has always said in the blogs and the message boards and everything is, what did you expect? You know, you're, you're a young girl going into the hotel room of a professional athlete late at night. And I can tell you what you don't expect. And what you don't expect is a six foot three, 200 plus pound man of solid muscle to choke you out and body slam you 30 seconds after the door closes behind you. So, you know, I'll spare you the details of what transpired next, but it was um, very violent and, you know, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, when he finished, he got up, told me to get out and walked over to the bathroom. I immediately grabbed the phone, um, tried to call my friends who were initially supposed to pick me up, um, didn't get them. He was yelling at me to get out. I was trying to find my clothes. I didn't know where anything was. I was wearing a dress that was almost like a double-breasted suit. It had buttons down the front of it. Um, and I couldn't find the button. I couldn't get it buttoned. I remember just trying to get myself covered up so I could get out. I threw on my dress. I finally got my dress. I was holding it closed. I got out of the room. I don't remember what floor he was on, but it required me to take an elevator. And at this point it was, I, you know, early morning, the place was a ghost town. There wasn't anybody around in the hotel. Um, I went downstairs through the lobby, a, I call him a gentleman, but I say that loosely. Um, a, a man came up to me, ran up to me, clearly, you know, was frantic. Oh my gosh, are you okay? What do you need? What happened to you? Um, I talked with him. I didn't tell him what happened. I just told him I need a phone. He was unbelievably kind to me. Um, he let me use the phone. He sat with me the whole time. He, this is very important because he later completely changed his entire story. Um, but he was very kind to me. I called my friends. They came to pick me up. This man sat with me the entire time, continuously pressuring me to ask what happened. But I mean, I, I, my lip was bleeding. I was obviously, you know, just gotten assaulted. And, um, you know, I didn't tell him what happened. I just told him that, you know, I just have had a bad night and I want my friends to come get me. So my friends came to pick me up. I got in the car with them. Uh, on the way, I told them exactly what had just happened. Uh, they wanted to turn around and call the police immediately. I just wanted to get home, take a shower. Anybody who's ever been through this kind of assault knows that you want nothing more than to bathe. I mean, I just can't even describe that to you. Um, so, as we, when we walked in the door to my friend's house, my other friend, unbeknownst to me, called 911 and told them what happened before I had a, an opportunity to take a shower or do anything. We immediately got back in the car, drove back down to the hotel where we were met with uh, police officers, uh, detectives. They took statements from me, all of my friends, um, the guy that was there that sat with me, helped me to use the phone. 
several other people that worked there, a lot of the valet guys. Um, that took, you know, we were probably at the hotel for a few hours, several hours. From that point, uh, they took me to the police department. And I should say that this is in Fulton County. This is downtown Atlanta. So this is, this is the Fulton County um, precinct. So from there, uh, they took me to the police department where they took several uh, more statements, um, you know, just kept asking me questions. They really wanted it to be more, you know, it was almost like they wanted me to hype it up more. And I mean, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. This guy just assaulted me. You're looking at me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, what else do you want me to say? But um, so from that point, we went into a room and I'm including this part in the story for two reasons. One, because I want anybody, you know, I want your listeners to understand what it takes for a sexual assault victim to come forward and what they go through, but also how many people were complacent in this, in this cover-up, basically. So at the police department, I went into a room where they took, I stripped completely naked. Um, they went through every inch of my body and took pictures of all my injuries. They held rulers up next to them, measurements. Um, so you can imagine when you've gone through something like this and you're already, um, you know, in, intruded upon, I, you know, I can't think of a, a word right now, but, and then you've got to go through this. It's mortifying, but, you know, again, I'm not having a pit, pitiful me moment, but I want people to understand this is what, this is what women go through. And this is why a lot of times they don't come forward because they don't want to have to go through this. So we did the whole photo thing. Then we did it again under a black light so that they could see the welts and the bruises and things that, you know, hadn't come forward yet. Um, and I remember there being so many people in that room. And I remember just thinking, why are all of these people in this room? There was one female police yeah. officer. And I just remember, and I kept making eye contact with her kind of like, get some of these guys out of here. Cause these are, you know, police officers in full uniform men and um so there was why so i don't know you know honestly i think the the way that they acted was almost like um you know not excited but just because it was a perfect you know it was carlos perez was an all-star player and i know nobody knows who he is now this was 25 years ago but it was kind of a I felt like it was kind of, you know, like they thought it was a big deal. Everybody wanted to be in, in on it in some way. Um, but anyway, I could be wrong, but that was just a feeling that I got. But from there, after the photographs were taken, I was taken over to Grady Hospital, which is the Fulton County, uh, County Hospital across from the Fulton County Police Department. Um, a rape kit was taken there, a full-on uh, medical examination was done. Again, something I wouldn't w wish on anyone. Um, you know, and I remember they gave me clothes because they had to take my clothes into evidence. So they gave me clothes that somebody else had donated, I guess. It, it was just a horrific, it was just a horrific, 
horrific experience. So uh, after that exam, they I wrote some other statements, some other things. When they finally let me go home, it was probably, I'd say, one or two the following day in the afternoon. Um, I lived in a little apartment at the time. And I came home, and it was all the news vans, all the media. Everybody's camped outside of my apartment. And... I thought, where am I going to go? I didn't have it. I mean, I thought, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I, I got to go in. So, you know, when I pulled up, it was a fiasco and they're, you know, firing off questions that I just can't, even, I just don't know how these people sleep with themselves at night. I really don't. But, um, you know, I just said no comment and I got inside and um, it was plastered all over the news and stuff. I guess they did arrest Carlos Perez that night. Um but you know the next week or so the media just did not let up they reported you know falsehood like fabrications like you would not believe my kids who are all grown now all know that we don't watch the news in the house because it's you might as well be watching a soap opera or something i mean it's just um so I don't know if that's a good stopping point as far as what happens that night if you guys have any questions otherwise i guess i can can kind of keep going as to what happened in the years following or I, I want to, first of all, I want to, uh, you, you can't say that you're sorry. I mean, there's no words that I can give you that are going to give you back that moment. But I think that, um, I have a daughter and my daughter, if someone did this to my daughter, um, I'd probably be sitting here serving a life sentence. So same, <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm incredibly mortified by, I'm mortified by the fact that you had to go through it, but I think that it's important for you to tell your story. Um, so I'm not going to interrupt you. I know we, we do have to at some point do an ad read, Max, do we want to do that now? Just get it out and then go. And I'm sorry, we have to do an ad read. I don't want to interrupt it. No no worries. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can. And, and then after the ad, I want to talk to you about um, what happened, because obviously he said he was arrested, but he wasn't didn't end up being prosecuted. But before we get into that, I mentioned that this podcast is brought to you by Air Med Care Network. Air Med Care Network is the premier insurance plan that will cover you should you ever need to be airlifted to a hospital for a medical emergency. It's not something we all think about. It's not usually top of mind. But anyone who's had to experience that, anyone who's had to be driven to a hospital by a regular ambulance, you know how expensive that is. Well, once you have to go into a helicopter, it becomes orders of magnitude more expensive. We're talking over 50 grand in some cases. Well, if you join up with Air Medicare Network for $85, you won't have to pay one cent should you ever need to be airlifted to a, a hospital as long as you're flown by an AMCM provider. They fly over 100,000 patients a year. This really is common sense coverage. So you're going to want to make sure you go to the link in our description, airmakecarenetwork.com forward slash daily. And when you use promo code daily, you're going to get up to $50 back in the form of an e-gift card, depending on how many years you sign up for it. So again, that's airmakecarenetwork.com forward slash daily. And make sure you use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. Um, so you, you kind of walked through the whole ordeal. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this happened quite a long time ago. So this happened in 1995, correct? Yes. So quite a long time ago. So uh, I, I don't want to just describe it as a well, that, th those were the times, but 
um, the way that police handled rape cases um, was very different back then than how it is now. I mean, nowadays you would never get away with having all of those male officers in the, in the same room as a rape kit is being performed. You never get away with it, right? Not that anyone Thank should God. even try, but it's, it's just not acceptable. So um, for people who are hearing this, uh, yes, absolutely shocking. Um, and and it, it did occur a long time ago. So we, we have a picture um, of Mr. Uh, of this, this man. Um, go ahead. Why don't we put up on the screen, Mr. Producer, you said you had a cute for Carlos Perez, a Montreal pitcher. Um, he did go to the all-star game one year. Um, he was more known for being just, um, I don't know, uh, very, uh, he would, he would just have outbursts. Like as, as you mentioned, he, he, he had a bit of a temper, but, um, he was just, he, he was more known for being animated than he was for being an excellent pitcher. I mean, I'm just looking at stats now. His win loss rate was 40 wins, 53 losses with a, with a 4.44 ERA. So it's, it's nothing to write home about from a skill level, but uh, he captivated people because every time you'd have a strikeout, he'd celebrate on the mound and, and it would, uh, it would just make for interesting television. Um, So he ended up being an all-star in 95. Um, I, I, I'm curious because obviously you said you said he was arrested. Um, how did it go from him being arrested to you filing the police report to all the evidence being collected? How did it go from him being arrested to him just being let off the hook? To the best of your knowledge, obviously you don't know everything about it, but well, the, the, what there's you... more, and there's more that that there's Mandy's going to go through that that is that shows some of the, I mean, alleged corruption. I'm going to say alleged corruption because it's your story, Mandy. It's not my story. It's your story. And I want people to hear your story, right? So but there's much more to it that'll just, it'll blow your mind, Max. It'll blow your mind. Blow well, your mind. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, so he did get arrested that night. Um, two days following, uh, he had, I think the preliminary hearing is what it's called. I had to show up for that. Um, so that was pretty rough because, you know, I had all the news cameras to my left. I've got him, you know, a couple feet to my right. Um, his lawyers were brutal. I didn't have any lawyers. I didn't really have the means to obtain a lawyer at 20 years old. Um, so, his lawyers asked me a few questions, most of which uh, were trying to prove that I was a prostitute and that I chose to go there and that I was mad that he didn't pay me. Um, the judge decided to that there was enough evidence to bind it over. Um, they let him out on a $50,000 bond. So he spent about two days in jail. And after that hearing, they, they did bind it over, but they did let him out on bond. So um, then it was just one of those things where you just sit and wait for your, you know, you sit and wait for the next court date. You sit and wait to see what happens. And um, the detective that was assigned to my case was extremely kind to me and really the only person that I felt safe with or safe talking to. I, I, just, I just knew he was a good guy. Not that I knew that everybody else was a bad guy. I just, nobody was really um, 
it seemed like nobody really had a lot of compassion except for him. So I kept in touch with him for the months and years later that went on. Um, the following, let me backtrack a little bit. After I went home and the media was there, so in between the time that I went home and the preliminary hearing, that was about a 72 hour period, I believe. Um, when I went home that day, they released me with a police report with a lot of paperwork and a police report. The following day, I got a call from the police department saying that if I wanted, I needed to come pick up an updated police report. That's what it was called, an updated police report. So um, when I got that police report, the person, the man that sat with me, that helped me use the phone, that was, I mean, spent probably 45 minutes with me, um, completely changed his story. And I actually have that document here. I just didn't have the time to get it over to you. Um, completely changed the story. He said that we talked about the weather. He used the term jovial. Um, he, and he said that he couldn't recognize my face, the color of my eyes, the color of my hair, but that he did know that all of my buttons were on my dress. So it was like, <laughs> the fabrication wasn't even, you know, it, it was just unbelievable. So, so he changed his story. A couple of the valet guys changed their story. Um, and I immediately called the detective and I said, hey, what's going on? Like, I, I can't even, I remember being so hurt <laughs> that that guy that that really saw me, the first person that saw me moments after this all happened could do that. I just could not believe it. And the detective, his name is um, Chip Povolitis, if anybody's curious about that. He, um, he said, you know, MLB, he said they've got money. It's less expensive for them to make this go away than it would be for them to um, have it stick around. And, you know, that's what it was. And so I said to the detective, I said, so, so what happens to this other police report? You know, what happens? And he said, it's, it's gone, it's done. Um, they'll, they'll use the updated police report. So months went by, uh, months turned into years. It got swept under the rug and, um, in the year 2000, so we're five years later, um, two guys showed up at my father's doorstep and they said they wanted to know if I wanted to follow through with this case. Well, the statute of limitations was done anyway. Um, I wanna make sure that I say this chronologically because in 1999, he was accused, Carlos Perez was accused twice of raping two other women. And I didn't know that at the time, but I believe the reason why they came to me in 2000 was because it was resurfacing with these other two women uh, in Florida. That's just speculation. I don't know that to be fact, but yeah. the timing of it makes sense. Um, so uh, at that point, I, was in an entirely different place in my life. I was engaged to my now husband. I had just opened up uh, my first franchise location. I was working on opening my second. Life was great. I was, you know, I did not, 
want to invite that back into my life. And I didn't want to invite it into my husband's life. And I also thought, well, why? All the evidence is, I mean, the evidence that they do have is saying that I was a prostitute, that I was laughing and jovial. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, I decided not to move forward with it. So around four years later, I got a call. So we're talking, I believe it was around 2004. I got a call from an attorney in Vero Beach, Florida. And he said, hi, I'm representing um, a woman who accused Carlos Perez of raping her. Um, she filed a civil suit against him. And I'm wondering if you could provide me with a copy of your police report. I've called Fulton County. Fulton County says they have no report. So Fulton County tells the attorney, not only do they not have the fabricated report, they have no police report. They have no record that any of this even happened. So um, I didn't, I no longer had my report. I told the attorney, listen, there was a detective that may have some sort of information. He was very kind to me. I'll see if I can track him down. I tracked him down. Um, he was working the homicide div division in, I think, Chatham County, Georgia. And every time I tell the story, I get chills because he picked up the phone and he said, Mandy Bernard, he said, I didn't know if this was going to be 10 weeks, 10 months or 10 years, but I knew I was going to get this phone call. He said, I have your entire original police report. I have 92 original photos of all of your bruises. I have everything. I know exactly what file they're in. They're up in my attic. And, you know, of course you can imagine. Yeah. He sent them directly over to the, to the other girl's attorney. Um, and he said, I knew that this was, I, I, he said, I knew I would get this call someday. I knew that this was going to happen and I've kept your file all these years. And, uh, so we agreed that he would send them directly to her attorney so that there wouldn't be any, um, you know, accusations of me altering anything or, or anything. So they didn't pass through my hands first, I guess. So he sent them directly over to her attorney. Um, and I was deposed for her case. She flew to Atlanta and, uh, that was kind of a, not bittersweet isn't the word, but for lack of a better word, it's, it was an interesting, you know, you have this connection with somebody because at the end of the day, the only people that know or what happened in, in that room is me, Carlos Perez and God. And when you meet someone else that in, in her story was almost verbatim, my story, I mean, how he got her in the car, the physical evidence of what he did to her, everything was, was it, he was very methodical, very methodical. And um, so she and I, you know, we still keep in touch now and we unfortunately bonded over something like that. But uh, so I gave a deposition for her in that case. Um, I believe her, she filed a civil case for $1 million was what she was asking. Uh, a jury awarded her $15 million. She asked for 1 million. They awarded her 15. She did not have any physical evidence, um, unfortunately. 
but I believe that the physical evidence, not that it was all my stuff, but I don't think that that would have gone anywhere had that detective not kept my original yeah. documents. Um, so has has anyone know, ever explained to you how it can go missing or not be present? Because again, it, it's a long time ago, so I don't want to say that it, it, it's okay for that to happen, but sure. it, it, over over 30 some odd years, um, almost 30 years, it, it things do get lost, things do get destroyed. Um, has anyone ever explained to you how it could go missing in the official files, but he still had them? I mean, I mean, you think that they keep the official files a little bit more safeguarded than just something in some guy's attic. I, I think that on top of Fulton County being dishonest, I think that they're also very incompetent. I, I lived in Fulton County for 17 years. And they're just unbelievably incompetent. I mean, just dealing with them with the DMV or anything, they're just very incompetent. So, you know, the detective's uh, explanation to me is he said there were people up there that were writing checks. He said there were people up there that were writing checks and I snagged your file because I knew that this day was going to come. So... There's still more just, I mean, if you want me to keep going. Just, well, well, it's just it's just crazy that, I mean, you hear about allegations like this, stories like this all the time. It just seems crazy that a guy from the Dominican Republic who plays baseball for a Canadian baseball team at the time, it was the, the Expos, um, that he would have sway in an, in an Atlanta police department, right? It, it just seems crazy because he's no heavy hitter. I mean... He, he was popular in his time, but history probably won't remember him. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you're happy about that. Um, it, it, it just, it, it can't just have been him flashing his star power around and getting a bunch of officers or sheriffs or whatever to commit felonies for him. It, it had to have been something else. So who do you think was writing the checks? I was told it was MLB. I mean, I was flat out told it was MLB writing the checks. Major and, League and, Baseball. And, yes. And it was because it's, le it's less expensive for them to throw a valet guy 10 grand and tell him to change his story than it is for the repercussions of this. That's what I was told. So... If you want me to keep going, I, there's still more. <laughs> yeah, I, I do, actually. And I think that this, the, there's, you know, somebody actually said that, uh, you know, what's the relevance to what we're facing today? I mean, I kind of just want to say it because it, the relevance of Fulton County, it has not gotten better in Fulton County. It's gotten worse. It hasn't gotten better across our country as far as a compromised judiciary. It's gotten worse. And they get to they get to pick winners and losers. That's a sure sign that the Constitution long ago was being violated on a on a consistent basis. But there was no way to have a voice. I mean, they they literally can just shame you. It's one of the things about the Me Too movement that I actually do appreciate is that at least there's more of an effort to listen to women today than there was 25 years ago. But you still have to live with it. You have to live with this for the last 25 years. Um, frankly, 
you don't even know if this guy, Carlos Perez, is doing the same thing in the Dominican Republic. For all we know, he could oh, become a no serial rapist there's there. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, he owns a bunch of strip clubs in the Dominican Republic right now. Oh, that sounds about right. Perfect. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yeah, Joe, we, uh, we're about at the, uh, at the halfway point in the hour. Um, We've got so about Joe, 10 why, minutes before we. Why, why don't you, uh, why don't you, because I know you've talked with Mandy, why don't you drive the conversation so we can get as much in as we can. Um, why don't you drive the conversation so we can make sure we hit all the points. So, so I want to get into the, so there's an article written, right? Remember the article that was written that basically uncovered all of this that talked about what Carlos Perez had done after not only there was two people in 1999 and there was another person in 2000 and all of the stories about what Carlos Perez did, they all align and none of you knew each other. Right. right. So, so I want to get to, I want to get to the meat of how this corrupt, first of all, how it affected your life more importantly, how that it, it that they could have, I mean, they could have stopped those other women from being raped. They could have stopped it. Right. But they didn't mm -hmm. because, and it gets back to the fact that, I mean, I'm just going to say it in their mind, you didn't matter. And their in their right. mind, you were a acceptable casualty, which is, I think the same thing that we face today in our society is that we've become acceptable casualties. People that have a difference of opinion, that uh, do not align with this radical leftist ideology, you just don't matter. They dehumanized you to a large degree. But go ahead, sh share some more of, of what happened. Um, to the point. Well, I don't, I hope I'm not trauma dumping on, on your listeners because that's not my intent here. I, I just want people to, to, to understand how corrupt things really are. And, um, like you said, it's like they plow through, they destroy people's lives. Uh, mine is not destroyed, but I mean, they, they, they plow through and there's no, I mean, just the lack of responsibility with the media. Let me go back to the media. It was very much, uh, they reported fabrications. They said, I sat, they said, I sat on the edge of the bed and waited for him to take a shower before we, any sort of intimacy happened. I mean, just complete fabrications. And um, so, so the one girl sued for 1 million. She was awarded 15 million. She hasn't seen any of that. Um, he fled to the Dominican Republic. And so there was a US attorney that worked with an attorney over in the Dominican. Um, I don't, you know, it's up to her to share her portion of that story if she ever wants to someday. Um, but she, there was corruption that went on in the Dominican with that. Um, and they got a good portion of her money. She, she's seen a couple of thousand dollars, literally a couple of thousand dollars from it. Um, you know, and so honestly, my reasoning, I mean, I appreciate you giving me the platform to tell the story. I'm not quite sure um, why I am telling the story, <laughs> but I want to share, share something really quickly with you that's kind of off topic. But um, two right. years ago, Two years ago, I um, contracted a deadly infection. It almost took me out. I, I, we got the call that I probably wasn't going to make it through the night and that we needed to start, um, you know, making arrangements. So I literally planned my own funeral. Um, and 
I remember not wanting to go to sleep because I was afraid I wasn't going to wake up. And I prayed and I said to God, if you just let me live, if you just let me live, I will do your will. I will do whatever it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter what it is, I will do what you've, what you call me to do. And this is before COVID, this is before the election. Um, and, you know, Joe, the, the convention that I met you at was the Health and Freedom um, Conference. And I've always been very much, I, I've always been very much involved in politics and things like that. So, you know, I obviously am still here, God spared me, but I feel a tremendous responsibility to uh, do something. And I'm kind of trying to figure out what that something is. Um, and I also believe that God doesn't take you through certain things uh, for no reason. And so maybe it's, you know, I'm, I'm been talking with some people about getting involved in some, you know, sex trafficking type things. But I just want people to understand that that's the reason why I'm here. I know one of your listeners said, you know, what does this have to do with politics? Um, so, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to do with politics. But if there's one person that heard this, that it gives them strength or motivation or I just feel like. If, if you have the vision to, if you have the ability to withstand all of the psychological manipulation that's gone on, all of the social conditioning, all of the propaganda, all of the stuff that is pumped into society and has been for decades, but more so recently, and God has given you the vision to see through all of that, that means you're a warrior. That means you are here. <laughs> That means you have the ability to become involved in any kind of way, even if it's holding a prayer circle in your living room once a week. And uh, so, I, you know, maybe I'm rambling, but I just want people to understand that um, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm saying it. I, I ask God, put the people in my path for the highest good of all. And you and I ended up having that conversation. I also met some you know, some other wonderful people that I'm staying connected with. So, so that's why. And you, and you live in Florida. Yes. Now. And, um, you know, I, I know the perfect way you can get involved and that is uh, lawman, which you don't know lawman. His name's Rob. Um, he was a retired police officer. And I think that I need to connect you with, with um, Rob and you guys need to open up the FEC chapter in uh, Florida. So I think that I'm is something down. that I think you should do. I want to point something out. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show. There, there's plenty thank of people that needed to hear your voice. And I, I want to point something else out that you need to, that I want to recognize. And that is you did not come on the show. Even when we talked, you did not talk about becoming, being a victim, right? That did not define you. You did not see yourself as a victim. You saw yourself as a person that fought against this injustice. Um, but you didn't live your life by the fact that that defined you. I mean, you have beautiful children, you have uh, a wonderful husband, um, you've connected to and created great friendships with other people around you. You've become an example for others in, when they're in positions where they need help. Um, and I think you've, all, you've done that from a position of strength. And so I do wanna thank, thank you, you for giving us the time to tell your story. 
Um, you know, all too often we concentrate on what's national news or what is happening in, you know, the, the election or happening in, in Washington, and we don't settle into having a conversation with, you know, things that happen to us as people individually so that we can humanize what, what we're really facing as a country um, on a very, very um, micro level. So I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for giving me the time. I will reach back Thank out you. to you, Mandy. Thank you very much. Um, okay. And I'll reach back out to you. I am, uh, I am currently um, out of the state, and I'll be out of the state of Colorado, so I'll be doing a lot of the podcasts from them. But I'll, I'll reach back out to you, and I'll connect you to, with Rob. And, you know, we uh, just opened a chapter, chapter in uh, Michigan, which is we're looking forward to, to having that charter and chapter started there. But I'd really like to get, um, you know, more solid footing in, in uh, Florida as well. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you All so right. much. All right. Bye guys. Bye. So that's Mandy Groom. Um, and you know, her story when you hear it is, uh, you know, I'm, I've been, I've been more emotional. I think angry max at things that happen to people lately, just because I see how much, uh, how much people, are, are suffering, but don't have a place to have a voice. So I just, uh, you know, this is uh, one of those stories where you just feel like you want to reach through and go back through time and just choke the, choke the life out of people that do things um, like what Mandy is uh, telling us her experience was. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's unfortunately, it's a story that we hear far too often um, it, it's, it's a heartbreaking story. Um, yeah. one that I, I don't know if, if we'll ever, I don't know if we'll ever know what truly happened with regards to the paperwork and things like that, just because it was so long ago. But, um, it, it's one of those things that, that one of those stories that are really, really hard to hear, but you know, that it's not just happening to her, you know, it's happening to other people as well. Um, so we, we have to air it. We, we have to we have to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't just get buried. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the craziness of yesterday where the circle back girl, Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, openly admitted, openly admitted that the Biden White House is not only targeting conservative dissenters, but then flagging social media comments, posts, videos, so that tech companies can delete them on behalf of the Biden administration. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the latest video from the press conference today where she actually said something even worse. What were you going to say, Joe? Um, just I want to answer a, a question that Christopher Smith had. And Joe, we're in Michigan, Gross Point, Michigan is where we were. That's where we'll start it um, for a chapter. Um, but I also want to tell everyone to hit the share button hit the share button and tell a, a little bit about, hey, go back and listen to what's happening or what happened in the first hour and listen to that story. Um, but also hit the share button so that we can share what happened today or yesterday. And the, the fact that the, the Democrats are acting as communists, they are, they are the brown shirts, they're doing everything that a Nazi organization would do. Um, and so when we come back, um, we're going to run through a lot of the just unbelievable facts that came out yesterday. 
So don't go anywhere. And it's in in lieu of our normal interlude audio, we're going to play a brief um, advertisement from one of the sponsors of our show, Pray in Jesus' Name News. So make sure you pay attention to that. And if you want to check them out, um, they're all over the place. Really, really good content. So we'll be right back on the other side of this quick break. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Dr. Chaps. Have you ever seen a TV news anchor stop and pray with his audience after every story? We are unique and we're inviting you and the intercessors to ask God to change history as we are reporting it. It's conservative, it's Christian, it's trustworthy. Join PIJN News on this channel, it's free. You can subscribe, there's daily content, new interviews almost every day, or visit PrayInJesusName.org to learn more. Ronald Reagan famously said that our freedoms are never more than a generation away from extinction. Conservative Daily exists to make sure that never happens. With our community of 700,000 members, we fight every day to hold Congress's feet to the fire and stop them from surrendering our rights and freedoms. The fight to take this country back is not over. Please join our movement right now by going to conservative-daily.com and clicking the subscribe button to sign up for our free call to action newsletters. We have a chance to save this country, but only if we all work together. Again, this is conservative-daily.com and don't forget to hit the subscribe button at the top. 